In today's episode, we will be discussing the telltale heart and how it relates to disease. The story was published in 1843 and is written by Edgar Allan Poe. I think most people have read this story, and it's really easy to relate to mental illness. I think the story can be read in many ways, though. Regardless, there's definitely an overall idea of madness. For those of you who haven't read it, the story is told in the voice of a narrator. It's a rather cryptic story. There's no doubt about that, considering it's about a gruesome murder. Yeah, the murder of an innocent man. Old man. The story begins with an unknown narrator making this plea. True. Nervous. Very, very dreadfully nervous. I had been and am. But why will you say that I am mad? The disease has sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. The narrator is clearly nervous and begins trying to convince the reader that he isn't mad right away. He admits he has a disease, but it's never made clear what disease he has. He then begins to tell the story in a very panicked manner, not calm at all. He even admits the old man has done him no harm, and in fact, he loved him. He then jumps into planning to murder the man, a sudden shift that he justifies with the following reasoning. I think it was his eye. Yes, it was this. He had the eye of a vulture, a pale blue eye with a film over it. Whenever it fell upon me, my blood ran cold. And so by degrees, very gradually, I made up my mind to take the life of the old man and thus rid myself of the eye forever. Not only is the eye the cause of him committing murder, but also it is believed to be the cause of the narrator's madness. It's funny because he was trying to convince us that his plan to murder someone over an eye made sense, but still does not understand why the reader would question his sanity. He was really confident, too. There was a whole week of the narrator what seems to be hatching his next move, going by every night around midnight, opening the door to the man's home. He states that he took an hour to put his head inside to look at the man, then explains that no madman would be this wise. Once he had his head inside, he would open up his lantern to shed light on the man. He did this for seven nights, and the old man remained with his eyes closed, which then stopped the narrator from following through because it was the it was not, pardon me, the old man who vexed him, but his evil eye that vexed him. Yet again, clarifying it was the eye of the old man that was the problem. On the eighth night, after hours of peering into the room, he shined his light from his lantern, and the man's eyes were open. It was open, wide, wide open, and I grew furious as I gazed upon it. I saw it with perfect distinctness, all a dull blue with a hideous veil over it that chilled the very marrow in my bones. But I could see nothing else of the old man's face or person, for I had directed the ray as if by instinct precisely upon the damned spot. He then goes to say if he hadn't clarified that, you would have taken it for madness instead of over-acuteness of the senses. The old man's heartbeat then took over the room along with the narrator. It grew louder and louder every minute until the narrator decided it was the night that the old man's hour had come. The narrator dragged the man off his bed and then put the bed on top of him to suffocate him. The deed was done and the narrator simply smiled. Yet another reason to question his sanity. He then goes on to question the readers for thinking he is mad after his actions when he clearly took all possible precautions when concealing the body. He dismembered the body by cutting off the head, arms, and legs. He then took up three pieces of wood flooring and put the body parts beneath it. He then placed the boards back so cautiously that no human eye would ever be able to tell. Mm -hmm. All possible precautions. He then also tells us that there is no blood either because he did it in the bathtub and then cleaned up the bathtub.
well, there was a knock on the door, and of course, three policemen were there. He admitted he was scared when that happened. Yes, they explained that a shriek had been heard by a neighbor, and they were there to search the premises. He showed them around the house in such confidence, and even have them take a seat in the bedroom to rest. He joined them, placing his chair directly on top of the body. He seems to be calm and collected until he turns pale, develops a headache, and a ringing in his ears. The ringing got louder and louder until he felt like it was surrounding him. He spoke louder and louder to the policemen, trying to drown out the sound. It wasn't working, and he began to pace. He raged and swore while swinging his chair and grated it upon the boards. The noise still continued to get louder, and the policemen continued to chat like nothing was going on. He first tried to tell himself they knew nothing of what was happening, and then quickly convinced himself otherwise. They heard. They suspected. They knew. They were making a mockery of my horror. He finally couldn't take it anymore and yelled at the policeman. Villains, I shrieked. Dissemble no more. I admit the deed. Tear up the planks. Here, here. It is the beating of his mysterious heart. He believed he had it all under control and was going to get away with it, but the heartbeat of the old man took over the room. The sound of the heartbeat has a great effect on the narrator and the reader through auditory imagery. Most of the imagery from this story is through the sound of his fingers slipping on the lantern. What the narrator describes as the military beat of the heart and the constant sound of time with connection to the hands on a clock ticking and the bell marking the hour. Also, the idea of the heartbeat taking over the entire room. Most commentators of the telltale heart have agreed that the sounds heard by the narrator time and again in the story, are produced by his own madness. Also, the compulsive obsession with sounds that evoke the rhythm of time. The narrator hears the sound of time everywhere he goes and is sure to include the time everything takes. The heartbeat is symbolic of his madness along with what he believes to be acute hearing. The heartbeat is also ultimately the downfall of the narrator. The reason he finally commits the murder and also why he confesses to it. The whole story was him trying to convince the reader he wasn't mad while planning to kill a man. And then here's the dead body's heartbeat. He heard the heartbeat when the old man knew he was entering the room, and he was sure to make sure it was gone. He made sure the man was no longer breathing before he even chopped him up. It seems the heartbeat haunted him just as much as the old man's eye. Yeah, he thought the man would solve, well, killing the man would solve his problems, but it clearly just made them worse. He thought he could, you know, help himself with self-serving and self-help and, you know, do things on his own. It's hard for the reader to believe he isn't mad. While he was trying to prove he wasn't mad, he did the opposite. Why did he think that killing someone was going to prove himself not mad? It makes me wonder why he wanted to prove he wasn't mad so badly. There are things that take place that greatly go against his case. He carefully plans a murder for over a week, and then he hears the heartbeat of a dead body. He admits to himself at the beginning that he has a disease, and I believe the madness is a result of that. Madness has nothing but a bad connotation in society, and I think that is why he was trying to prove himself sane. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a battle for people to prove themselves sane once they are perceived a certain way. Being someone who has gone through battling that myself, I know what it feels like to want to, you know, prove to society that you can still be a part of it. 
The idea that people with disabilities have been among the least accepted groups in society comes to mind. People have mindsets that create stereotypes, and they are both greatly influenced by society. These stereotypes and mindsets come from what we are supposed to view as normal. There is a box that people are supposed to fit into to be considered normal within society. Research has identified a variety of prejudices and discriminatory behaviors reflecting the stigma of mental illness. There is a lot of blame and shame that people feel for their mental illnesses due to the people around them. I'm sure you have experienced that firsthand. Well, in general, people experience blame and shame because normal does not truly exist. However, people with mental illnesses are that much further from the, quote, normal people expect. Narrator in our story struggles with deviating from the norm, but wanting to convince himself and the reader that he was sane. Have you ever felt like that? Ironically, I feel like, I feel... I feel most like that when I am in a sane state of mind. True sanity, in my opinion, requires self-awareness and the desire to reach some level of self-actualization. In the worst of my unwellness, I am manic or psychotic and genuinely believe I am wise and right, regardless of the situation. As you know, the narrator murdered someone, so do you think that blame and shame makes sense sometimes? I think someone should feel shame and should be blamed if they do something like murder someone. Mental illness may play a role, but it shouldn't be automatically and totally attached to the shame and blame associated with something like murder. I believe that it may be more of a challenge, but people can have a mental illness and function in society. The narrator had slipped beyond any form of control and was psychotic. He was unprotected from himself during his time of weakness. He doesn't represent the mentally ill community, though. Sounds to me like the people around you can bring you down, but they could also be what lift you up as well. Of course. We all have ups and downs, and it is safe to say we should appreciate the people still around when we're down. The narrator is very defensive, and it makes me think that the people around him during his downs weren't exactly supportive. Perhaps an increase in overall compassion, awareness, and acceptance for others and ourselves would do us well. We should not be playing a part in bringing others down. I could not agree more. Well, thank you for your input, Alex. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Above all was the sense of hearing acute. I heard all things in the heaven and in the earth. I heard many things in hell. How, then, am I mad? Hearken, and observe how healthily, how calmly, I can tell you the whole story.